What's going on, Irregulars? We're back on another Thursday with your first episode of 2021. It's your girl, Katie. What is up, Bobby? Nothing. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm here. I'm still 29. Still 29? Made it through my birthday. Oh, yeah? How'd mm-hmm. that go? Well, you were there. You told me. You no. might remember more than I do. <laughs> I, yeah, I would say so. It was, uh, yeah, it was a good time. I had a good time. I had a good time. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Um, highlights? Um, I taught a man how to do the WAP dance. For those who didn't tune in last week, my birthday was on New Year's Eve. Yes. Um, we uh, Oh, everyone at the party knew. Yeah. Trust me. Everyone at the party yeah, knew it's did. my birthday. <laughs> yeah, um, I taught a man how to do the WAP dance. Um, Better than you. You know, it, it took me an hour to learn it when I learned it about a month ago. And, like, let me just preface this. Like, I'm not a dancer. Like, I'm a writer. <laughs> I tell some decent jokes here and there. I don't dance. <laughs> Um, this man watched me do it twice and he's like, I got it. I'll do it. I'm like, this guy, he fucking nailed it. He killed it. <laughs> he killed it. Stay tuned on the Instagram page. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe someone got a video of it. Maybe. Anyway, how are you, Bobby? I'm, uh, I'm struggling. I went to brunch with some friends, uh, from college the other day or fuck. What am I talking about yesterday? It feels and like a lot longer ago than that. It feels a lot, a lot longer. And uh, I spent my entire stimulus check at the bar. Gone. I have to say, I'm trying to train Bobby to be an alcoholic like me. And it just makes my heart so proud. <laughs> Dude, I, I picked up the tab for everyone. And we were there for like um, like eight or nine hours. Pulled a shift. And uh, yeah. And then before I know it, stimulus check that I got on Saturday. Or sorry, on Friday was gone by Sunday afternoon. Love that for you. Yeah, it was good. It was really, really, really good. So I'm proud of myself, I guess. Painful today, but whatever. You know. Here we are. It's the first Monday back from break, so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. all of our New Year's resolutions back yeah, till so, today. So speaking of um, New Year's resolutions, uh, Bobby and I agreed this morning that we were just going to set some that started today because Monday. And uh, Bobby, do you want to share yours? So... With, you know, like I said before in other episodes and whatnot, I, my personality sells a lot better than my looks do. So, but it's very hard to meet women when you're in lockdown. I can't be out in the wild doing my thing and whatnot. So now we are coming out of uh, quarantine here or some sort of lift or whatever. I don't know. Who knows what's going on? For those on. of you not in PA, the bars have been closed for three weeks, which has felt like 300 years. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. So uh, now my New Year's resolution, I'm hitting on every single girl that I see. I don't care. Just anywhere. Just, yep, whatever. Any time. Uh, no, there. I mean, there's definitely a time and place. Can't What's your trouble. age limit? Uh, twenty-one and up. <laughs> there's no end. Just twenty-one yeah, and older. <laughs> whatever. I'll take anything at this point. You hear that, Cougars? He's coming for you. <laughs> you look at me the right way. You're gonna get a response. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So there's that. And then on a more serious note, I saw um, a post from Heart Support, which is a foundation that we've talked about before uh, to help uh, people struggling with mental health issues and stuff like that. And they posted something and it was like, it was like, fill your cup and because you can't pour from an empty glass. And basically what they were saying is like, you know, in order to help other people, you need to help yourself first. And over the last couple of years, I've devoted a lot of time to other people and didn't really focus on myself. And I'm not mad about that or anything. Like I, it's who I am as a person, but like this year is definitely going to be a year where it's like, it's, it's me first and I'm number one. So I want to, I do want to focus on that. But, uh, how about you? 
Well, I'd like to point out first that, like, I'm your number one. Don't you ever oh, fucking forget it. No, okay. Jesus. Here we go. <laughs> I like to tell all my people in my life that, like, I'm your number one. You can be number two. Anyway, um, mine actually is along the same lines. Um, I just got back into therapy about a month and a half ago um, for the first time in a while. And I have just kind of started to make some goals there and to make some progress. So my New Year's resolution is to stick with it, to do the work to kind of write the chapter of me very similarly to you and um just really commit to that process okay so that's your serious one what's your uh not so serious resolution um maybe drink less tequila oh dude i had speaking of tequila i had four shots of tequila yesterday keep i'm in so mind, proud oh keep my in mind, god i'm like i can shed a tear i literally hate tequila oh i know <laughs> here i am here I am taking four shots oh, of it. So oh, it's fucking so bad. So, so along the lines of therapy and mental health and all those other things, we have an interesting guest. Do you want to preface that a little bit here, uh, Caitlin? Yes. Our first guest, or I guess my first guest personally, but the first guest of 2021 is my very best friend. Her name is Liv. She has her master's in clinical mental health counseling. Liv, want to take it away? Hi, guys. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I commend you for being on right now. You're you're on a little bit of a struggle bus, aren't you? I certainly am, but it sounds like up for those stories, you guys are too. <laughs> <laughs> so the three of us, we actually, um, Liv and I met in college, um, but Bobby went to, to Bloomsburg with us as well. So, Bobby, why don't you tell the story? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> this is the second time I've actually ever hung out with Liv. So oh, the, gosh. Yeah, <laughs> yes. This is the... That's it. I mean, we've seen each other like parties and stuff like that, but like actually actively went and hung out with each other. The first time was they were in the same sorority together and uh, Caitlin and her boyfriend at the time had just recently broke up and she was like, hey, I just need a friend to go to a day party with. My exact words were, I need someone that will drive me there, make sure I don't look like an asshole and not try to hook up with me. You down? He's like, can I hook up with someone else? Maybe I'm like, I don't care. Whatever. I don't care, but I'm off limits. I was like, okay, fine. So, uh, so I showed up and she was like, oh, by the way, like our friend Liv's going to come with us. I was like, cool squad. Don't know who she is, but let's go. And then I rolled in the day party with freaking two smoke shows around my arms here. And I was like, man, I'm big pimping. And then went home alone. All three of us did, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. What is it? Like, this is probably eight years later and we're all still single. I don't know if you'd use the term smoke shows any longer, but listen. <laughs> all right. Okay. You guys can be the judge. Daily poll. <laughs> Daily poll is is Liv and Caitlin the Smoke Show. Yes. Okay. Are, are, so are. back to a more serious note. Liv, tell us about yourself. So um, like you said, I have my master's in clinical mental health counseling. I got my undergrad at Bloom in psychology and HR. And now I work in a few different kinds of settings. I'm getting my licensure for my job, which means that I can do therapy in every state across the country. And I'm also working to get my yoga teacher certification at the moment. Okay, so what about yourself, though? What do you do in your free time outside of work? I love to travel, hang out with my friends. Um, Caitlin being one of them. Yes. <laughs> Don't judge me based on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but that's I like to spend a lot of time with people that fuel me up because I feel like my job sometimes, as much as I love it, can definitely deplete me a bit. As far as, what do you mean by deplete you? Like um, It's kind of like what you had talked about earlier about how this year you want to focus on yourself. I think a huge piece of what makes me really passionate about my work is that I am able to connect and empathize with with others, but I would be lying if I didn't say that that 
definitely wears and tears on you. Compassion fatigue's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's hard to disconnect from all the, lack of a better term, shit you hear all day. And then all of a sudden, you're supposed to just go home and be happy. And it's like, dude, I literally just heard some of the most depressing things, sometimes happy things. But, like, I heard some of the worst crap today. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm just supposed to, like, flip a switch and be fine. I'm sure that's... I couldn't do that. I would be like, oh, nope, I'm in a bad mood. Yeah, and that definitely happens. I try to give myself grace because I'm human, but there's days where I come home and I just feel like, why am I in a pissed off mood? It was a good day, but maybe I carried something over from the day before. So I like to surround myself with people that really fuel me up. Yeah, and I'll say definitely, um, just having heard some of love stories over the past decade or so of, of this work, is I've said to her a million times, like the things that she's heard and, and seen and dealt with, there's – there's just certain people in the world that can that can handle that. And I can say, for one, I certainly am not. So thank God for people like you in the world. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So how did you get into it? Because from what I've heard between, like, small conversation between you and Caitlin, um, what there's, like, kind of a cool story about, like, how you got into what you actually are doing now and whatnot. So, like, I would I, just take it away. Yeah, so I think one part of my personality is very grounded, another one is spontaneous, and that's kind of what pulled me into the work. Um, After undergrad, like I said, my minor was in HR, and I just wanted to make some money, so I got a job working in HR at a company, and I was fucking miserable. I showed up every day. I felt like I was living Groundhog Day. I would just sit in the the cubicle, and I was just rattling my brain, like, what am I doing with my life? Just having every existential crisis that every 22-year-old has. Um... But I just felt like, you know, I'm one of those people that my career and my passions have to align. They have to coexist. So I just thought to myself, you know, what's going to make me happy? And then a bit of my dramatic spontaneity kicked in. And I said to my parents, hey, I quit my job and I bought a ticket to Europe. And I'm just going to go take off and go travel for a bit. Where'd you go? So I met up with one of my girlfriends over there. And we went to Italy and we went to Denmark and Amsterdam and Greece. And we just kind of had a time and... After a couple weeks and all of my money, I was like, okay, it's time to come home and kind of get my shit together. So um, I was on a plane ride home and it was an eight-hour flight. And this woman next to me said, hey, do you mind if I talk to you about something? And she was crying. And I thought, well, I'm stuck Wait, in- the woman was crying? Yeah, she was crying and looked at me and just said, hey, can I talk to you? Oh, and I was shit. like, well, I'm stuck in the middle seat, so I don't have a choice. <laughs> but- <laughs> and mind you, this is one of those things that would only happen to Liv. Like, this would not happen to you, Bobby, for example. Yeah. This would only happen to Liv. No, they would cry and then, like... And then Bobby would cry and then... <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they, right. No, they would cry and then I would I would ask if they are okay and then they would yell at me and I would, it would be like a whole thing. I'm like, dude, sorry for asking. Like, that would, that would be my... You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. You're the one crying on a plane. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Interactions on a plane could be a whole segment in itself because I've had so many unique experiences. We'll I have, had a lady we'll have turn have her back. I had a, yeah, I had a lady turn around and sit in her seat backwards this entire <laughs> flight. That's a true story. <clears throat> like, she sat, like, put her knees on the seat and sat the other way. It's a true story. It's a true story. If I was making it up, I'd make it believable. I swear. Uh, okay, Liv. Back to the crying lady on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> Yours sounds a little more interesting, but... She basically just told me that her daughter had just called off her wedding and they had just paid for all these things and her and her family were very conservative and she was just going through a hard time that her daughter had called off this wedding. So I was trying to comfort her as best I could after a couple of vodkas and not expecting this kind of emotional baggage. But then she asked me, what do I do for a living? And I said, nothing, actually. I'm coming home from a wonderful trip and I feel refueled and excited, but I know that that's kind of like that travel high that you get 
And um, she said, well, what, what do you want to do? And I said, I've always loved working with people. I thought about going back to grad school for psychology, but I don't know if that's for me. And she said, that's what my daughter does. Why don't you just do it? And I sat there for a moment, and then she said, no, really, why don't you just do it? And I landed, and I applied to grad school, and my life has looked completely different ever since. So some crying lady (laughs) on a plane, okay. Did you cry? I mean, I've cried a million times since then. I wish I could find her in Texas and just be like, you changed my life, but... Is that where she was from, Texas? Yeah. Dude, what if this platform gets big enough? She was like, oh my gosh, I was that crying lady It was lady me, the, the crying lady. <laughs> we have a reunion on the podcast. Yes! Dude, that's, that's my 2021 then resolution. Then it kind of like shifts to Yeah. I love this. I, I love this. Uh, High energy. I'm just watching. I'm just watching the editing. Editing here. I'm like, oh, but this is gonna be really tough. <laughs> but uh, but no. Um, that's that's super interesting. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I don't think a single stranger has ever impacted me so much to dress not drastically change my career, but I mean, like, change my career. That's that's pretty intense. So yeah, I think that my parents thought I was crazy when I tried to explain to them why I was doing it. But also that kind of pulls into what has changed my whole mentality and especially my New Year's resolutions are just being present for the little moments. I think for so long I lived for those big moments in life, those big trips to Vegas with my girlfriends or long weekends away or Eagles Tail, whatever I felt like I was waiting for and I was missing so much living by waiting. So I'm really trying to be present and just enjoy those little moments. Damn, that was fucking... What what did we say uh, on Scott's episode, mic drop? I mean, that was like... Yeah, we can all go home now. (laughs) (laughs) And that was that. Um, so what is, what is it you do every single day right now? So yeah, I've worked in a couple different fields. I've worked at a few psychiatric hospitals. Um, and, but right now I'm based in the school setting and I work at a private practice. So those look vastly different every day. There's no routine. So you have, so is it like you have two jobs? Yes, I have two jobs right now. Two different places. So like, you don't. So you're part-time, I guess, in two places, right? So I'm okay. full-time in one. I'm part-time in another. Um, my full-time job is I'm with kiddos age 5 to 12, and they all have like a trauma background, conduct disorder, some kind of emotional dysregulation, and they keep me on my toes every single day. I mean, a 5-year-old in general <laughs> is probably going to keep anybody on their toes. Um, Luckily, we were roommates in college, so she's had plenty of practice. Right, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, plenty of practice with you. With five-year-olds. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 same thing, right? Okay, me when I drink tequila. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, so what's a normal day look like for you? They're not normal, are they? Well, I mean, <laughs> no, they're not normal. And even the days that I feel like things are kind of in order, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. But also, it's polar opposite from that cubicle, right? So this is what I wanted. This is what I thrive in. Um, I come to work at school and I do therapy with the kids one-on-one. We do group therapy. We learn social skills, which honestly a lot of adults need. Just like how to accept different perspectives, how to regulate yourself whenever someone doesn't agree with you. And and the kids are so attuned, right? They're very street smart, so they understand things and they pick up on social skills. Um, If they get in fights, I'm the first one's called down. Like actual like fist fights? Oh, I've had – yeah like adults with kids fighting kids fighting each other um no two days look the same but then I quickly have to switch gears because my second job is at a private practice so that's typically adults sometimes children coming to outpatient therapy which would be kind of the setting that you imagine when you think of a therapist like sitting on a couch staring at the ceiling and 
talking about feelings and stuff like that. Right. Absolutely. Except no couches, just a comfy chair. I was going to say, Bobby, that's not what therapy's like. We're all in therapy. Come if, on. If you look at the Sopranos, like that's kind of the vibe you think. But really, we're yeah, you just sit there and you kind of talk to them. And that's definitely a different setting because the kids are put on my caseload based on their life experience or parents or anything like that. But then when you come to outpatient counseling, that's something you kind of sign up for. So it does look a little bit different. So what is one thing that you wish people knew about whether it be therapy in general or the kind of therapy that you do? Like what's something that you wish was more normalized or, or well-known? Well, I think whenever people initially think of mental health, they think that something has to be broken to fix it. Um, but everybody has mental health, right? It's just about a healthy perspective and brain, keeping your brain healthy. And that encompasses a lot of different components of your life. The food you take in, the people you surround yourself with, the media you take in, whether that's podcasts or Instagram, um, the way you speak to yourself, all of those things are part of mental health. And we always say you don't wait for your body to completely to break down, for you to go to the doctor, for your car to shut down, to take it to the shop. You regulate it. You get check-ins. And that's the whole component of mental health in itself. It's actually really funny you said that because I think, was it yesterday or was it this morning? when Bobby has no concept of time. It was like five <laughs> hours ago. Yeah. Are you sure it was only four tequila shots? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, it, we, uh, Caitlin and I were on the phone or whatever, and we were saying something, and I was just like, yeah, like I think it's really like when it, because we're all, everyone in this room is in therapy, you know what I mean? And, and it's like, well, I hate the fact that people feel like that they need to be broken to go to therapy. It's not true. You could just go, like I said, your stories every single day, you could have a great day where some kid comes in and you have a one-on-one, you have five kids in a row have one-on-one sessions and they told you how yesterday was the best day ever and they had so much fun and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, all right, cool. Today was like an uplifting day. Then you can have another one where the kid's like, yeah, my, you know, my dad beat the shit out of me last night or whatever. You know what I mean? You're like, oh my God. Like, but no one is better than the other. Like, as far as like, I don't mean like better, obviously neither of them are good, but like no one is more important than the other just to start therapy. Like, the, the happy days are just as important as the bad days to talk about them in therapy. 100%. And I think you come to a good point too is that, like you said, I'm in therapy as well, right? I'm a therapist. And actually my grad program would not let you graduate until you went to six therapy sessions. And I thought, what the hell am I going to talk about? But they said, you cannot be good at your job if you don't experience it from the other end. So that was the first time I went to therapy. And I had no idea that I had issues, um, <laughs> which is a shocker, perfect. right? Um, but I went in and I started talking and I thought, but again, it was that kind of concept of you have to be broken, right? But I went in and I just thought there's areas of improvement I want in my life. And another component of therapy that I love is that let's talk about the good days. What looks different on your best day? Who did you talk to? What did you do? What did you eat? What music did you listen to? Let's not just only focus on the negative. You have good days that we completely dismiss all the time. So I like to look at that too. I love that. I probably I feel like I don't do that. I don't either. I got to call my we- therapist. <laughs> you talk about it a lot with like journaling when people do that as an intervention and people will only journal because you think about even the concept of like diaries and movies and people writing about their sad day. But remember the good days. What stuck out? Let's carry that into the next one. I mean, I say that all the time. Like my slogan is I've never had a bad day in my life. And everyone thinks I'm joking when I say that, but it's true. I'm alive. So that's all that matters. I mean, when I croak, it might be a different story. You know what I mean? But but yeah, that's like that's my slogan. I feel like if I say it and I repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, like then you don't have a choice but to actually manifest it to 
reality. Yeah, manifestation and positive psychology are real. So that's a good good practice to put it in perspective. Wait, what did you just say? That was so a lot of big words. <laughs> so <laughs> that kind of leads us into the next question. If you want to kind of go into it about um, you're now pursuing your certification in yoga teaching. Am I saying that right? Yeah. So I'm gonna that was, okay. So the private practice I work at. It's one of the first mental health facilities that I was hired at. And they said, we look at people as a whole, the 360, right? So on staff, I'm a mental health clinician. I do talk therapy. But we also have a dietitian. We have a financial advisor. We have an exercise science major. We have a psychiatrist who prescribes medication. And they said, if you're coming to talk therapy, there's probably multiple facets in your life where you feel depleted. So maybe you're overeating because you're depressed, right? So let's address that as a whole. And that was just so eye-opening to me. And I thought... Well, as a clinician, how do I make myself better, right? How do I make myself more well-rounded? So now I'm going to get my yoga teacher certification because there's a lot of research on trauma-informed yoga and just how you can reconnect the mind and the body. And I think that's important for me to encompass in my profession. I probably have an eating problem. I mean, I know I do because I eat so much fucking food. But like the food I consume, like I don't have a terrible diet, but it's definitely not good. And I bet you that has a huge impact on Everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially shit food. Shit and it's food. cultural, right? Like, think mm-hmm. about Philly. What do we like to do? Like, drink beer, eat cheesesteaks. Mm-hmm. When you're celebrating, you eat food. Whenever you're sad, you eat food. It's a really big part of a lot of cultures. That's so true. I always try and bribe you with food, Bobby. I, like, every time. Uh, yeah, I mean. Maybe I should look inward at that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Liv, so uh, what are you working on right now? What are you excited about? So I think previously I said I'm working towards my licensure for work, which will be amazing because... It'll allow me to have a larger client base. But aside from that, um, a quarantine project that I worked on with one of my guy friends, he runs a group called Primal Sports Management, and he also works for a Penn State baseball team. So he kind of runs these camps for high school baseball players, um, freshman year through their senior year, who are getting ready to apply for scholarships and things like that. And he approached me and asked, like, hey, can you come make a presentation and talk to these boys about the psychology of sports, you know, and I thought, well, sure, of course. Then I was like, what the hell did I sign up for? So I wanted to make sure that I was speaking to them about something that was applicable to their lives, right? Because these are high school boys and I'm a, like, they're going to look at me and be like, duh, like, just like therapy. So I was like, I want to give <laughs> What them- she means to say is she's a young hot girl. <laughs> <laughs> I, wa- <laughs> I can attest to that. I can attest to that. If, if, if I walked in and I was like, an, like I was an athlete. So if I walked in and I'm like, we're going to talk to you about sports today, I'm going to be like, no, we're not. <laughs> right. We're not going to do that. You're going to talk to me. I'm just going to sit there and stare. I'm not going to lie. That's what I wanted to come, appro- come across approachable, but also I wanted to give them something that whenever they left, they were like, oh, that actually, that stuck with me, right? So I made this presentation and I, t- I spoke to them and that's actually been one of the most interesting projects I've done. Um, We talked about how to motivate ourselves, goal setting, right? Small, attainable, realistic, timely goals. Um, I talked about neuroplasticity. Um, Define that. (laughs) You say it slower. (laughs) Can you use it in a sentence? (laughs) (laughs) So neuroplasticity is the whole concept that you can physiologically rewire your brain by doing different patterns of thinking and um, different behaviors. So for a long time in psychology, they thought that when you were younger, your brain was hardwired, basically how it was, and you grew up with that construct, right? So maybe whenever you were younger, um, you got bit by a dog, and that was a little traumatizing for you. And now anytime that you hear a dog bark, your kind of heart races, and that's how your brain is wired. But as psychology has grown, we learned that new experiences can actually physiologically rewire your brain. So I kind of explained to them that 
you know, if you are talking to yourself, you're beating yourself up and saying, I missed that pitch. I tried to use terms. I Googled like fastball or like, I was like, shortstop. I want to make sure. Hold on. <laughs> We're Googling neuroplasticity and she's Googling shortstop. Yeah. I just never want to know that. So I, I, so I had to ask, did you play sports? So I was a dancer growing up. Um, I was Which like, is a sport. If anybody says anything differently, go watch Cheer on Netflix. Anyway. Right. And, and that was, it was really time consuming. It was like a pre-professional school. So I was there 30 hours a week from when I was like four until 16. Um, but one thing. Wait, I, what? Hold on. A pre-professional school. Yeah. So girls in my company, they went off to be professionals at different ballet schools across the country. But I, just, I, I have nothing to say. That sounds fucking cool. That's all I know. We went to North Penn. Yeah. <laughs> Squad. Uh, anyway. So regardless of that sport, I think as I've gotten older, you really learn though the influence of having the right coaches, teachers, having that mentality of believing in yourself. So that's something I kind of instilled with the students. So for example, um, I said to them, you know, if you're expecting to get a scholarship from Penn State for $10,000, and you get one for $3,000, is that going to psych you out in the field? Are you going to feel like they don't value you as much as another player? How will that impact your playing? Right? So we kind of talked their lingo and said, what are we going to do? Um, and then my friend, Michael, who had, who runs the camps, he came in and said, because he's played baseball professionally in Australia. He's played across um, a lot of locations. So he came in and said, one of the best things that he's learned is that every single day, they physically wrote on a note card a goal that they had for that exact practice, and they pinned it on the wall before they started. It's that intentional effort to say, this is what I'm here doing. I'm here right now. And then kind of moving from there. So it's been really interesting, though. And it kind of opened up my eyes to there's just so many different avenues of psychology and how it impacts everybody. And that was fully like that was just a side project for fun. Yeah, that was just a side project for fun. <laughs> wow. That's that's some dedication. <laughs> what that's am I I'm... doing with my life? I'm drinking White Claws. Okay. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> There's one beside me right now. <laughs> this, this is true. That's um that's really interesting. I mean, what has been the what has the been the biggest challenge though with like I mean you're again, we're talking about high school boys. Yeah, I I was one one day. You know what I mean? So like what I knew it. Yeah, what's that? I, I knew you were a high school boy one time. It's freaking weird, right? <laughs> um so like what like what happened? Like or like what is what is the what is the biggest challenge like dealing with a pro- you're probably 14 to 17 year old kid i'm assuming correct yeah right so with that ex- that example personally they all tried to add me on instagram after and actually <gasps> no. one of them asked if i had an only fans what no <laughs> yes did you say what What's you should have said yeah it's called your therapy session i've been videotaping it the whole time <laughs> what was your response to that i laughed because i was like they're little boys but i think that honestly that question I feel like is applicable across settings so I am a young woman in this field of work and I think people really value intelligence and intelligence and experience so whether I'm walking into a room where I have you know 14 year old boys as my clients or children parents will look at me and say well you don't have kids you know what do you know so I think coming in with the right confidence and not cockiness is definitely something you should do in a lot of professional settings but I just have to be self-aware because at the end of the day like I can give them the knowledge and the tools, but they have to use the tools in everyday life. It's not me going home with them and changing their behaviors. It's them. Yeah, you so, can't you can't follow them everywhere they go. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. Uh, so can I ask? This is interesting because um, I have a therapy session this Thursday. She gave me some homework. I have not quite done it yet. Um, is she gonna know that I haven't done it? Like, can you tell when people aren't doing the work? 
you can tell when people aren't doing the work but for me it doesn't bother me if a client's not doing the work because it's like okay then there's something else we're addressing right you come here every week that's a piece of the work because you obviously want it but also we're human like I said I go to therapy and I talk about sometimes the hardships of my clients but I also talk about the hardships in my real life and am I just because I have all of the knowledge and skill set does that mean I am acting 100% healthy 100% of the time Absolutely not, right? I'm human. It happens. We wouldn't be friends if you were. <laughs> right. Like, how did this friendship really start? No. <laughs> but on the real, I will say, like, if you don't have a therapist friend, you should get yourself one because we have some of the most toxic, but also some of the healthiest conversations I think that I've had with the person maybe ever. And I think the the insight that you offer and um, even when you kind of say to me, like, you know what? Thank you for bringing that piece to the table. It makes me feel better, too. So I think um, although we can't all have therapists as best friends, um, opening that dialogue with your own friends, I think, is so important. Do you want to speak to that a little bit at all? I just got off the phone. Like me and me and my buddy Joey, the one who actually, if you do follow me on Instagram, I just shouted out the other day because I said, um, I said I feel like guys never gas up their homies. Girls gas each other up all the time. You know, I was like, guys never gas up my homies, and I'm like, here we go. This is my buddy Joe, love that fucking guy. I just got off the phone with him. We were on the phone for like a half hour just talking about life and frustrations and you know. All right, I'll be honest. It was about dating, you know what I mean, and whatnot, and the challenges and whatnot. And uh, I want to do that more with my friends as much as I can because I mean, like, I have to call him after this because the cu- the conversation had to be cut short to come c- come here and record. But we're not done yet, you know what I mean. So it's, it's getting laid, but like whatever. I'm I'm gonna go finish that conversation because that's important to I me. You just said getting laid. I'm like, who's getting laid? <laughs> not me. <laughs> but that's the goal of the conversation. Uh, yeah, that, yes. True. Yes. This True. is why she's Transitions, here. Transitions, baby. <laughs> yes. This is why she's here. She tells us what's gonna happen. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's a good point though. First of all, it's an ongoing conversation, right? And as a male, for you to normalize, like. This piece of life is tough or like let's celebrate this piece of life. Um, I think it comes with self-awareness, support, right? Validation because we're not always going to get it right. We think that we will. And when you mess up and say like, hey, I hit rock bottom again. Oh, you've been here too. Let's bring each other back up. That's the kind of support system you need. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think friends who can keep each other in check that way too. That's one thing that I've always valued so much about our friendship, but also just a couple other friends that I have. And Bobby, I think that your friends are pretty good at that too. Just saying like, Number one, having being comfortable enough to say, this, this is where I struggle. This is where I've messed up. And here I am again. I have made a mistake. I'm upset. I fucked up. Um, being comfortable enough to say that to your friends, I think, is, is huge. But also having a safe place to say that and then to come back with a little bit of accountability. I mean, when we make mistakes, we always there – there is that little bit of like, okay, well, I'm glad that you've accepted that. Like, you can't keep doing this. However, how can we fix this? How can we move forward with this? And I think – a lot of friendships today lack that and I I just I think it's so important and vital to growth as a person and having good friends and stuff like that. What do you charge an hour? So <laughs> <laughs> I'll invite you. At the I end was of just this. gonna say no. I just wanna know what our invoice is at the no, end of this. No, um that you know, it's different for every client at the private practice and it also if you're really asking, it depends on people's insurance. But yeah. um, he you can't afford right me. Now. <laughs> well, it's actually, you know, it's funny you say that, though, depending on people's insurance. I just talked to a friend the other day, and I was like, yo, man, like, th- I'm talking up therapy. I love it. You know, I'm like, dude, it's good. Like, again, you don't have to be broken, even though I think this individual would benefit a lot from, from therapy, from just some things that have happened in his life. And I'm like, dude, just get after it, get after it. Like, trust me, it's the most liberating feeling in the world. Just, just get out, go, go. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, he's like, how'd you find it? I'm like, yeah, my, 
I was like, you know, health insurance covers like a lot of it, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, your health insurance covers a lot of your copay for each session. And he's like, I didn't know that. And I was like, yeah, no, neither did I. That blew and my mind. I could not believe that you didn't know that. No clue. See, that that's oh, so that's a huge piece also. It's just the lack of knowledge, right? So if you work for a company where you get health insurance benefits, in those health insurance benefits is a mental health component. And a lot of times they have an employee assistance program. So maybe you even get a few free sessions from select therapists that the company partners with, or you can get a discounted rate. Um, your HSA card, if you have one, can also be used for therapy sessions. In addition, there's websites like psychologytoday.com where you can actually filter the website to say, hey, I want a male therapist within 20 miles that specializes in this for this price. Because sometimes therapy is unrealistic because it's not affordable. And that's just the truth of it. I ha- I saw a in the beginning of quarantine, you know, and, you know, not having a job and everything, I saw a career coach or whatever, because that's originally what actually that's originally what started this whole uh, trip down, you know, the therapy lane. I want to shout out you for that, too, Bob. I think that's so cool. The fact that you're a dude and you sought therapy out on your own. Good for you. I need. I had a push. I'm not gonna lie. There, there was. But it doesn't matter. Some people get all the pushes in the world. And they never take them. So I think that's that's yeah. important. So good I, for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I I, hit, I originally hit this one um, lady up. Um, it was for a career, like I said, more career oriented. And uh, my first session was two hundred and twenty dollars. And I'm like, and it was for forty five minutes. And I was like, I th- that was cool. And I felt good. And it was funny because I actually took that into my my therapy sessions now, like with my current therapist. I was like, yeah, it was cool. I felt good about myself for like a week and then it wore off. And then I still was like, fuck, what do I want to do with my career? And what do I, you know, this and the other thing. And I just went right back into where I was before. It really did nothing, you know? And then it, over the summer, like I said, I did have an influence to really push me into like, dude, just try it, just try it. And I was just like, um, all right. And that person, you know, really did convince me to, to try. And I almost left again. I was like, I can't do it. And then she was like, you have to do more than one session, which is another thing that I would like to talk about too. She's like, you have to keep going. It, it's not going to, you're not going to get all your answers in four sessions. And, you know, and then I've been going since, uh, the, I would say like July or something like that. I think end of, end, end of July. So, and, and she was a hundred percent right. Like my first four or five sessions, I'm like, eh, eh, felt okay. But now like I, I leave almost every session, like let's go, I'm going to take over the fucking world. You know what I mean? Like, but so like what would you like to tie into that like what like what is your is there like a limit to or like a a set number of sessions that you think that someone absolutely needs before they decide if therapy is or not working for them so i think that there's a lot of ways you can answer the question and again i can only speak from my personal perspective but if i have we have an intake coordinator so one girl will do all the intake sessions and she assigns it to a clinician that she feels is a good fit I always tell my clients, and this is the private practice. Mind you, at the school, the kids are stuck with me, <laughs> um, but which is great because, you know, I love, and it's mostly all boys, so, like, it's really fun. But um, I always say in the private practice, if after three sessions you feel like it's not a good fit, be honest with me, right? Because this is your time. It's really about you. That's why we're here. So don't think you're hurting my feelings. And actually, Katie and I have talked a lot about good fit for a therapist. So people get deterred all the time because – Maybe they're not coming at a right point in life. For example, um, when people are in bereavement, when they've lost someone that's died, initially people are like, go to therapy right away, right? Put them into therapy. But a lot of times people are still shocked that they're not even ready to process that grief. So maybe they'll be deterred and they'll say, oh, therapy's not for me. I went once, it didn't work. 
So it could be that they weren't ready. It could also be not a good fit. I've had a lot of, you know, I've had couples where I'm doing their therapy and the wife will say, to be honest, like, you look like the mistress. You can't be our oh. therapist. Oh. oh. And I say, and, and that's big of them. It's important to say. 100%. I mean, you you get, tell me that, right? Yeah, you can't get advice from the woman that you're trying to get over. <laughs> oh, no. And I can, you know, and in the moment, sometimes I'm like, damn, they're missing out because I feel like I could really help them. But then I'm making it about me again, right? And it's about them. So I say, I really appreciate you telling me that. I'm sure it wasn't easy to say that. And I have a great therapist I can recommend you to. Yeah. And you're just like, ha, joke's on you. Let me change my face real quick. And then all of a sudden she just comes back and she's just somewhat totally different. I honestly wear glasses a lot when I do therapy because I feel like it makes people take me more seriously. I can say as a woman, just as a working woman, I, it's it's hard being young. And I mean, I mean, not, we're, we're cute. <laughs> we're young. We're cute. And it's hard. It, people don't take you that seriously. So I can't even imagine. I mean, even when I was looking for a therapist myself, um, I did use psychologytoday.com. Shout out. It's a great website. Highly recommend. Um, but I looked at some of the younger women on there and I was like, well, what can she really offer me? What does she really know about, about what I'm going through? And I didn't realize like how messed up that was. So you kind of just said that right now. So yeah, bitch, that's me on there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but it is, but I, but that also ties in. Like, I think that timing's important too. I, I can't speak for everyone. Obviously I can only speak for myself, but, um, having been through some traumatic things, it, it took me a while to get to the point where I thought that I was ready and, my the thing that I like the most about I would say specifically you as a friend but just friends in general is um no one ever pushed me to go I knew that I had to go people would ask have you gone I'm like uh you know I'll get there but I think timing is is very important as well yeah timing is everything and Bobby I don't think I directly answered your question but so you know I tell people three sessions like every week then we'll assess and everybody's different right so I have some patients that I see every single week and I've seen them every single week for 10 months now um, and they're not ready to give up, right? I have some that I see once a month for a check-in. So we've gotten to a point where maybe we did eight sessions or so and they feel like, okay, I'm ready to take this skill set and maybe financially they need a little break. Yeah. Um, but I want to check in with you once a month. And I always tell patients, you know, if you need to take a season off, like therapy can be heavy. It can be a lot. Um, and maybe life just feels good right now. Take a season off. I'm here. I don't get offended by it. The whole point is to work me out of a job. That's how I see it. Like, you shouldn't need to be with me forever because then I'm missing something, right? Or, like, we need to re reassess together. That's you, how I like to look at you it. You go to therapy to hope to never have to come back. Right. And then if you do, you do because that's normal, right? And even as a clinician, when my caseload gets lighter or it's the summer and I'm vacationing with my friends, I don't see my therapist. She doesn't hear from me. When September rolls around <laughs> and I have all my jobs back and I come and knock in, she's like, hey, how was the summer? Um, you know, there's no shame or guilt. You make it your own experience. And it's funny, just to tie back into, like, finding someone who fits you, like, I spoke to an older woman in the beginning of the year, and I was thoroughly convinced that I was just, like, I and I told this to my current therapist, who was an older male, and I was, like, I, and I'm not saying this as a, as a sexist thing, it's not at all, but I was, like, I feel like in that session with that particular person, I was told what I wanted to hear, and not what I needed to hear, so... And I don't know if that's just be from a male to female perspective. I'm not sure. I don't, I can't, I can't speak to it at all. But I told my current therapist, I was like, dude, if you need to tell me, like if it's, if I'm bitching about something that is not working and you need to tell me to just, dude, you need to grow up a little bit, then tell me that I can take that. You know what I mean? I felt like I would not have gotten that from her, you know, I don't know, but I felt that, like you said, like I couldn't, you didn't want to, uh, you know, Kate didn't want to get a younger female because she's like, what does she really have to offer? You know, um, 
it's kind of the same sense where I was just like, you know what? I didn't really have a good experience with the first time and it was an older female. Let's just try something different to see if something works. And like my dude, he's cool. Like he's a great dude. Shut no, up. I think that's a, it's a valid point that you're making, right? So every clinician kind of works through a different theoretical orientation. That's what it's called. It's like the framework of how you see the world. And there's so many different ways to do it, right? So mine is cognitive behavioral therapy. That's kind of like my home base right now that I like to work out of, which basically means that the way that you think like if you think of it like a triangle, mm-hmm. your thoughts directly impact your emotions, which lead to your behavior. So if I think I'm a bad person, I'm going to feel sad and maybe that's going to make me eat. Maybe that'll make me self-harm. Maybe that'll make me isolate. So we try to shift the thinking so that you have a different emotion. Now that's just me, right? And you're absolutely right. Some therapists don't feel comfortable challenging people. Mm-hmm. So maybe as a client, you might need to say, hey, like I don't mind if you swear. I don't mind if you kind of call me on my shit. Because you have to every, I mean, for me personally, right, some clients like the jargon. I feel like they want to hear terminology. They want to hear about interventions. So I hit them with it every week. We have homework every single week. Um, There's some clients that come in and we shoot the shit like we're friends. That's pretty much where I'm at. Like, I love uh, when my therapist says shit. When she says the word shit, I'm like, yes, yes. she gets me. We're on the same team here. We're on the same team. Yeah, I... I, I think I had my therapist curse one time. I think he I think he said like yeah that's fucked up. I'm like, my fucking dude. Yes, thank you because I curse all the fucking time. So I, no, and I I agree. I think there's I I mean I can't say I agree. I mean I do agree, but you're the professional. I I think there's different approaches that need to be taken with people. Like my conversations with my therapist every single week are conversations. There's it's not it's structured. I don't know. I also do it virtually, which I fucking hate, by oh, the way. Oh, I love virtual Oh, it's therapy. interesting. Tell me about it. it. Tell I, me about it. I do not like it. I love it. I'm an in-person person. Mm-hmm. If, See, I wait, love yeah, it because I feel person. like – So, and, and this is the second therapist. Nah, third? Oh, this is the fourth therapist I've seen. Who am I kidding? Um, but the, the second in my adult life. And I felt like with my previous person in person, um, there would get to points where there was kind of just like that weird lull where you didn't really know what to say. And I would find myself trying to fill the silence. And whereas this time, I don't know why, but it's something about me not being in person and not feeling awkward where I kind of just like give her the dead eye. I'm like, well, you're the professional. You fill the silence. What do you have to say, Julie? Yeah. <laughs> Look at her hands on her hips. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's helped me like, and I just, I, I guess maybe I'm just a little bit awkward in person and I feel like I almost want to make her feel less awkward. But like, I'm just like, no, this is you. This is on you. And I look her straight in the eye and I'm like, what are we going to do to fix this? Whereas before I'd be like, so maybe what I should do is, I don't know. It's just helped, I feel. So like some advice from my lawyer <laughs> is live in the silence. And I actually do that because like I had to, I had to take a deposition and whatnot. And he was like, listen, the lawyer is going to ask you questions and then they're going to take long pauses. And then you're going to want to go, well, maybe I did do this or blah, 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 blah. And you want to feel, he's like, don't. Just live in that silence. And, it, and I, I was like, okay, cool. That's one thing I learned from my lawyer. I went into the deposition, sat down, and they asked me some dumb question. They're like, what's the speed limit there? And I was like, 25. And then it was like, how fast were you going? I was like, 25. And they were like, and then I was like, and they're like, okay, cool. And I was like, yeah, beat you at your own game. You know what I mean? Thanks to my lawyer. But like, I do that to my own therapist now. If we hit like that point in a, in a conversation where there's like a lull and you're like, I don't really know what to talk about, whatever. I sit there and I just live in, my, live in the silence. And I'm like, okay, what are you going to do? I don't tell him, like, what are you going to do? But me being silent, he will then say something. Like, there was one – we spent one entire session where I actually wanted to talk about something. 
But there was like a quick like lull like that, and he just said something. He was like, so how are you feeling about COVID? We then spent 50 straight minutes on COVID, and it was a great conversation. And I didn't want to talk about COVID, but we figured something out, and I guess I got some sort of relief, some chemicals in my brain got released to make me feel better after that 45-minute long conversation about COVID. But I live in – so just some advice. I would live in the silence. Well, I do now, but – and maybe part of that's me being older. I don't know. But I would say the other big piece, too, of me liking virtual is – I deal with a lot of anxiety. Um, I am often late for things. I, if I have an event coming up, I, I really think about it quite a bit. And if it's something that I can cancel, um, shout out to bail plans, love them. Um, I love to bail on things. And seeing if I get stressed out about a day and I know therapy is something that I can cancel or not go to, I know it's going to be emotional and I know it's going to maybe hit some buttons that I don't necessarily want to push that day. If I can just sit at my computer and hit a button and know that once it's over the second it's done i can just go take a crying shower i'm in don't knock until you try it (laughs) (laughs) but no um i think eliminating that that piece of it has been huge for me i think if i wasn't especially where i'm at right now in my life if i had to actually travel somewhere and commit to something and not just sit down in my house in a comfortable place i don't know that i would have started it i really don't and that, that shocks me about you because, like, let's be honest, you have ADD and you're all over the place. And to me, like the, for the virtual side of things, I am fucking distracted. I actually no, I mean, not at all. I, I turn I turn notifications off on my on my desktop. I turn I throw my phone to the other side of the room. I try and distract, but I still find myself like sitting there and like looking and being like, oh, God, I have, that shirt's falling off the hanger. Like, you know, like, blah, blah. And then he's like asking me a question. And I'm just like. Yeah, uh, blah, blah, where I feel like if I was in person, granted, I've also never done therapy in person, so I can't even speak to that. But I feel like if I was in person, like I said, sitting on the couch, looking up at the ceiling, you know, with my hands crossed and my legs up, you know. Oh, you find so much to look at, like the books in the back of her. I'm, like, sh- I'm sure, but I feel so like I'm much lo- to, Do you, as, as the therapist, do you find yourself being distracted by things in the room and stuff like that? I'm not distracted as the therapist, as the clinician virtually. It's interesting. First of all, I love that everyone's different. And not to go on a COVID tangent, but from the clinician side, I've had to do virtual therapy a lot. Um, and I was really worried about not reading people's body language. That's huge for me. Um, I think a piece of it at some of my jobs is safety, right? I've been attacked by patients before. Um, what? Yeah. it's In certain settings, it's honestly part of the job. Like, not something you look forward to, but I've definitely had- I'm assuming children. Adults, children. All right. Well, we got to talk about that, but keep going. <laughs> Um, so well, she worked in a psych hospital, so. right? And things happen. And it's not to it's not to blame anyone specifically, but you're working with certain diagnoses and some staff, and things just go south sometimes. But so body language is really important for me. Um, so I think a piece of that I was concerned about virtually was I wouldn't see that. But now I do therapy sessions in person with masks. So I will sit across from someone just like we are, and they will be wearing a mask, and I've learned how much the eyes speak. And people have always said to me, because I have big eyes, like, we know what you're thinking. We can see it in your true. eyes. Which is very true. She does. Mila, <laughs> Mila Kunis eyes. That's mm-hmm. what she has. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Just gas me up. I'll be here next oh, week. <laughs> She's single. <laughs> but then you learn that there's other pieces of people, right? So it's interesting for me, even, um, seeing people's homes. It kind of speaks. I learned about a piece of them I don't know. Or, like, with my kiddos, they'll show me all their pets. I'll see their safe space at home, like where they go and mom and dad fight. Um, I learn different pieces of them that I wouldn't get before. And also, to be honest, sitting still for some people is completely unrealistic. 
So I always have fidgets in my office, things people can use in their hands. But sometimes for therapy, I'll walk around people's house with them. They're cooking dinner while we're doing therapy. It's just a completely different world now. And it's kind of like I get invited into a more sacred space sometimes. Um, so it's been really interesting. That's so interesting. Do you like virtual? Tri- do you like the virtual side of it? I'm always going to prefer in person. That's just me. Um, I, I, I think a piece of them coming to the session sometimes is like really encouraging. Like I made it here. But also that being said, I have some people that have um, you know, chronic depression and it's hard to even wake up. So if they can do therapy from their bed, they can just roll over and click. Yeah. And I've feet. done yes. that before with my therapist. I'm getting ready for work. I'm blow drying my hair while I'm talking to her. Right. If you can make it work for you, it's about making it work for you. Do you think that there's negatives to it? Like, do you think there's like a negative side of virtual training? If like, say that we go into full fledged lockdown again and you have to, you can only do it virtually. Do you think that there's I think that in general, having limited in-person contact has some detriments to people. Um, I think it, people spend more time online, and I think that like social media has a really negative impact on people. It's not an accurate perspective of reality sometimes. Um, and also... Sometimes. Like all the time. Right. Like, 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 well, we're going to say all the majority of the time. Right. And so people are putting on this facade, right? And it's interesting because I feel like social media used to be an escape, and now reality is an escape. So when they don't get that in-person interaction, Ooh. they're kind of stuck. Me and Bobby's eyes are just like, whoa. Oh, man. That's <laughs> Dropping the... all the mics. No, that's no. she's not wrong, though. I that's know. the problem. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so now we're not really getting that re- escape, so to speak, into reality. Like, you're not seeing that people are actually flawed. You're not seeing that human experience. You're only seeing it through a filter. And that can be so disorienting. Uh, <laughs> amazing i'm 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 smiling ear to ear right now guys because that's i mean you're you are there was not a single word that was spoken that wasn't true you know that's comforting as shit to hear because like i mean rabbit holes we all all go down them especially i think I i mean i can't speak for men i know for women um me and my girlfriends talk about it a lot um there are some days some weeks maybe even some months um where you just can't go on instagram and if you see a super hot chick you scroll past her and you're like fuck me dude like what am i even doing here like what's my like what what am i like my page looks ridiculous i look stupid like how what is what's the point of all this and i think that's such a good point is not seeing people in person that's a it's different it's funny too because i actually um I, i won't say his name but some one of my buddies sent me an instagram page and it was like it was like couple goals or some some stupid shit like that and the entire page was about unrealistic expectations of what it is to be in a relationship. It's these super fucking hot dudes, these super fucking hot girls in this beautiful island for probably a month wearing gold chains and Gucci. And it's like, yeah, I get it. Like, that's really cool. And that's something to really aspire to. If you have goals, like, I mean, I said it before. I don't care if I get famous. I will have a Lamborghini one day. That's what I want. I'm working because I want a Lamborghini. And that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I do think that, like, this constant repetition of like, this is what it takes to be a couple goal being in Bali together. Like, no, like we can go to the Jersey shore and have just as good as a relationship as those two idiots who probably one aren't even in a relationship. They're just doing it for an Instagram page and they make a bunch of money and they're, you know, they probably met, met each other earlier that day. And it was just a photo shoot that, you know, and he sent that to me and he's like, dude, this is the shit that pisses me off. And I was like, what, why? And we literally just went into a full fledged conversation about like, this is fucked up and people don't even realize how fucked up it is right now because you're just looking and double clicking a picture and I like it but like I I mean you may be able to speak to this live like you're it's slowly embedding 
that that false reality. Of- Absolutely. I mean, you can. There's so many diagnoses that stem from that as well. And the DSM five, which is how clinicians diagnose, is kind of updating all the a time. What? The Diagnostic Statistical Manual, fifth edition. Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> Purchasers today, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> It's just kind of the base of how you diagnose everything, but it's constantly updating because you're like inundated and overwhelmed with an unrealistic expectation of reality, right? And so sometimes with clients, I try to say, you know, there's this quote unquote perfect world that you see and you want, and then there's reality and those things can't coexist. So let's figure out like where the happy medium is, right? So, you know, all these girls are super skinny and blah, blah, blah. Well, that is one thing, but then there's reality where that's not the real world. So what's a happy medium for you? What do you even value in those pictures? Do you want friendship? Is that, do you feel like people are liked there? Do you want to look better and be healthier? Do you want to travel? I try to break down what is the value of that photo deal, right? Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? Because a Lamborghini is a realistic expectation. You can set a timely goal. You can make it measurable. You can save your money. Right, that's something to achieve and work towards. But to say, like, I want to be the hottest couple, and actually, it's so funny you say that because I sent a picture of a couple like that today to someone, and I was like, wow, like, I did not look like that on vacation, just kind of joking around. But the reality is, when you go to certain cities or you hang out with certain people, you kind of look around and say, you know, comparison is the thief of joy, and we all get caught up in it. But kind of what brings you back to ground yourself? And something as simplistic as keeping notes in your phone, like everyone always has their phone on them. So I keep notes in my phone of like memories that keep me grounded, quotes that keep me grounded, you know, just so I'm able to bring myself back whenever I feel like I'm kind of getting lost in that hamster wheel of thoughts. What did, so what did you just say though that there was a really good quote there? Uh, uh, something about Comparison is a thief of joy. Yes. That is not my quote, by the way, yeah. but it is a good quote. Mm-hmm. That is really good. I have good. that on my desk. As you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Explain that. So, I mean, if you're constantly looking to other people and evaluating your sense of self-worth, your achievements, who you are as an individual compared to someone else, you're constantly going to be able to scrutinize that. And that will immediately deplete any kind of joy and prosperity and pride that you have, right? So I think there's a difference between maybe looking to how you can adjust and elevate yourself. I, I hate feeling stagnant and complacent. I'm always looking for growth, but I'm looking for growth within myself, not at others. And that's definitely something I have to cultivate my life and work to continue to develop but that's the only way i really feel like i prosper and grow is when i look within and not beside so like most uh heterosexual males that listen to this episode they're going to want to know if you're single or not yes i am single you are single yes so being a therapist how does that affect your personal relationship life oh well it definitely does um I think that with family and friends, boundaries has been huge. Um, And I say that within men I've dated as well. What do you mean by boundaries, though? So I think a piece of being a therapist is holding people to their potential. Um, And I've had to learn that sometimes in my personal life, I don't have to be the therapist, mother, coach, cheerleader for everybody. I can um, accept people for the behaviors that they're showing and then kind of set a healthy boundary for myself. It gets really blurry because people don't ask that of me. I think sometimes it comes second nature, but then maybe I'm a little too accommodating or I'm kind of compromising things that I believe are important to the betterment of somebody else, if that makes sense. So I've really had to work on just reevaluating what are my values in my life, um, who cultivates that. That includes friendships, includes family members. This was a big year for me to reestablish boundaries with family, which is kind of unique. And um, it's been the best, healthiest year for me personally with others. And that's kind of how I have to reassess it. Not am I going to hurt someone's feelings. It's going to be a hard conversation for them. 
kind of comes back to the beginning when you guys both said, you know, that analogy you gave, we give all the time in therapy is that you cannot pour your cup into other people's and fill them up if you have a hole in the bottom of yours and you're just depleting yourself. Mm-hmm. So kind of saying, what am I going to do to make sure that I'm valued and I can articulate that appropriately? So have any men that you've dated been intimidated by your background in psychology? Definitely. How so? I think that every time that I'm on a date and they ask, I get like, oh, are you psychoanalyzing me? And I laugh, but low-key, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly that. I, I know that feeling. I, like I, I had mentioned before, you know, I you know, I was seeing someone, you know, who studied psychology as well, too. And I, I literally felt like I was being dissected. There were times, not all the time, but there were times where I'm like, hmm. You're analyzing me right now, aren't you? And she'd be like, yep. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, I see where we're going with that. But that's that's just so you know from the opposite side, for, from someone who is um, just really starting to get in touch with his emotional side. But of, you're of, pretty self-aware for, for a, a man. I'm doing not, – Not to say that all men aren't self-aware, but you're on the better half. Of the yeah, I'm, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying. Um, but that is – that's hard. That's hard, it, it, especially someone like me who also has extreme anxiety. Um, like – that's all I would think of like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. You know what I mean? And it puts you kind of on edge. Yeah. So. I think it I think it can be intimidating at times. But again, keeping that dialogue open, I know that um, you know, the relationship I was just in previously, um, he would say to me, like, you have to take off your therapy hat. And I, it was a kind of a good reminder to say, like, okay, you need me as a girlfriend and a support right now, not someone to solve your problems for you. I was just gonna ask, do you find that do you did you or do you currently um like find that you're always trying to f- quote unquote fix someone you know when they're when you're talking to them you're like oh no 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 and you have like he said your therapy hat on like do you feel like you do that more often than you really should I don't think I go out of my way to do that people like solicit that from me um and then and I do I love people right so I make people in my life a priority and I think sometimes you know as a therapist like I'm not Katie's therapist I'm not any of my friends therapists and that ethically that's a guideline you have to follow as a clinician Um, But before I got into this field of work, I think I was also that role for a lot of people where they would come to me and I would talk to them. And now I just kind of have the jargon with it. But so I I try to be very mindful of saying, guys, you know, if it's happy hour and someone pulls me aside, like, yo, live. And I'm like, okay, listen, like I'm here having a good time with you and I'll talk to you about certain things. But please don't take my word as like gold and, you know, still go see your own clinician and take things and do your things on your own path. Um, But sometimes it can get messy. I was going to say, I I feel... Like I said, this is only the second time we've hung out, but you are a very um, confident and powerful like woman, you know, and the way you speak, you are very well spoken as well, too. That's going to be tough for some men to handle that. And I'm, I know I don't speak for all men, but I, I know guys more than most guys, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, so that's going to be challenging. And I, you know, because I know if I was, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm working, I'm doing a little bit better now, but if if I had pursued dating you when I was 23, I'd be like, this girl just thinks she's the shit, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like just overeducated. But in reality, that's not what it is. It's you're, you just are an educated independent woman who is pretty confident in 99% of the things she says. Well, or at least I sound calls. like it. No, yeah. just that's what matters, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but also, you know, I think it's, a, it's very true. And people do get to see the human side of me. I mean, any man that I've dated for long term will tell you that I have anxiety. Um, it's something that I work on all the time. It's something that is impacted in my field of work. Um, it can trigger it day to day. That's something I work on. So I think that at first, maybe there's that intimidation and fear of like, 
what does she know? How is she going to view me? Can I just have a normal conversation in a bad day without her saying, let's dive deep? But then they get to see that human piece of me where, you know. Maybe I'm, you have a bad day and you break down. Right. Yeah. And then they're kind of, and it's interesting too sometimes and like they'll use a term on me like, oh, did you use your coping strategy? Or like, you know, maybe you're projecting. I was like, oh shit, there's a therapist now. <laughs> the teacher becomes the student. Right? So, it, I mean, I think it, I think it'll always be a little bit of a challenge. But again, like communication is huge for me at this point in my life. Um, I'm able to hold myself accountable. I appreciate when people hold me accountable. So just communicate to me and hopefully that will kind of lessen. I've always said the most important part of a relationship is communication. Because if you can't communicate your love, if you can't communicate trust, can't communicate honesty, then you don't have anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, cool. Like you can have lust, but now it all—it really all starts with communication. If you don't, ha- if you cannot communicate them effectively, it'll never ever um it'll never grow and how you communicate to yourself is so important mm-hmm. the self-talk in your head um the way that you view yourself and sometimes that will you know trickle into how you speak to other people how you speak about yourself to other people um it's just so important all around and that can be as simple as saying when you mess something up saying oh my gosh i'm so stupid like i've tried to really take notice of that recently and i'm not stupid i did something that has stupid characteristics or maybe portrayed as stupid but i am not stupid for doing said maybe stupid thing yeah she yells at me for that all the time i do i'll, I'll literally just be like oh god that was st-. I'll, I'll, or i'll be like god that's so stupid she's like you aren't so let's move on and i'm like okay mom sorry gosh. it's a resolution of mine to improve bobby's self-talk that's oh. something i've really worked on too as a clinician like i will put so much weight into the final product of a student like they're doing great and i don't attribute it to myself but as soon as they fight again or i have to make a cys report because of abuse or you know something happens i'll say like i failed them or i'm not the best clinician for them and i'll spend hours doing research but at the end of the day you know their progress is not a reflection of my skill set and the same goes with my relationships i'm only half of the relationship so you know if something like that failed i'm not a failure um you know maybe it just wasn't the best thing for me so shifting that dialogue the small shifts make the biggest difference um so just changing the way you speak one time correcting yourself in real time it's it's incredible whenever you're able to do that. I could not agree more with that. I think I've recognized that a lot. Um, I mentioned in my, on the last episode, I moved back in with my parents over the summer. And um, anyone who's moved back in at home as an adult can probably attest to this. Like you just really see through a clear lens, like all the childhood trauma, just really, really clear yeah. there. But um, but no, but really a lot of that for me was, was self-talk and just yeah. hearing the way that people in my home spoke to each other. And it was never malicious. It was I'm in a, from a very loving family. Um, maybe too loving sometimes, but the, just that self-talk, whether it be to themselves or even to others, just simple things like that. And I, because I've been away from it, I came back home to it. I'm like, wow, like this really, and it it does have such an impact on your everyday life. Even if it's just small things that aren't meant to be malicious, just saying things a different way, like you said, it's huge. Absolutely. We, even little things with, I mean, affirmations, I will sit in a session with somebody and say, tell me one positive thing about yourself. And I will sit there and give the quiet thing like you said for 15 minutes and we will just look at each other and I'm not going to get off the point even if it's something small because it is so hard for people to come up with something positive about themselves and some days it's harder than others but you try to come up with something that's unwavering right that no matter whether you woke up with a bad hair day or you got in a car accident you're fired from your job like that is a characteristic about who you are and it's hard for people to come up with but so important do you let people slack when you do that like if someone's like you're like oh one nice thing about yourself or whatever and you're just like uh i like my hair you're like like, do you you accept that or do you say really but what if they do it all the time 
And it's because then it's just a cop out. Right. So I think that I think there's a piece of that. Like, I think it's great when people are prideful of their physical characteristics. But again, those can change. Right. So, um, you know, some I have a little girl now that has very, very horrible anxiety. Um, She's 10. I've seen her for a year and a half now. And the only compliment she gives herself is that she loves her long hair. So I try to make it about like, did you ever see there's some Disney movie with like girls with like Rapunzel? I'm like, so it's strong. Do you feel like you're strong? You try to build characteristics around that. Like healthy hair means you take care of yourself. Have you been brushing your hair and washing it? Those are daily self-care routines. You try to translate it into something that's more applicable and grounded. But you know what? Some days all you can say is like, I got up and I showered. Well, then good for fucking you because some days that's hard. So let's hold on to it, right? It doesn't always have to be this grandiose, I am the best at this and I believe it. Because some days you're just happy you showed up. Like like I say, I've never had a bad day in my life because I'm I'm up and I'm breathing. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So we're starting out on cloud nine. You know what I mean? It's only up from there. What would be like a closing argument here for you? Like as far as therapy goes and like, what would you want to encourage? Like, what do you really want to encourage or tell someone that they might not know? Um, or just, like I said, if you were to, if never have known me, never be sitting in front of a mic right now and you wanted to kind of sell me on going to therapy, what would that look like? I mean, I think that it would just have to be for everyone's own personal gain. But I would just say, give yourself an assessment of your life, right? Are you happy right now? Like I said before, tell me what's going well and hold on to that. If things feel a little dysregulated, don't immediately do the self-blame. It is me, right? Because life is hard. This year in particular, well, last year now, thank fucking God, was really hard for people. But for example, I felt really lethargic at one point in time and I thought it was attributing to my relationship. That might have been a piece of it, but I also was not eating well. And for me, like what I put in my body completely fuels me. I get horrible brain fog if I eat certain things, if I overindulge on the weekend. All of that contributes, right? Are you exercising? Who are you surrounding yourself with? What are you listening to? So I would just pause and say like, what does life look like right now? Hold on to the good and make small adjustments to the bad. And if that includes therapy, that's great. But I'm definitely not here to say like, all of us should go to therapy because I don't think that's true. But if you do want to go, then take the step, do some research and figure out what's best for you. I love it. Awesome. Um, I'd like to close out with your New Year's resolution, Liv. Do you have one? Well, uh, yeah. So I want to be more present in the moment um, and just hold on to like little things that make me happy. Um, How do you plan to do that? It's, honestly, I take it day by day. So I was always someone that even when I loved my job, I could not wait for the weekends. But this year showed me that weekends don't look the same. Like I can't go to concerts, sporting events. I can't travel like I used to. So what can I do each day that makes me excited? Um, so sometimes that means spontaneous trips during the day. My exercise routine has looked vastly different. I bought a bicycle. Like I've been riding. I rode my bike. Good for you. <laughs> Thanks. I got two flat tires at first. I was like, fuck. But oh my gosh, if you know it all, that is so, so in character. Like try to do something <laughs> wild and just flat tires. But it was, I mean, I've just tried to make even moments like that, like laughing versus getting frustrated and just being like, this is actually living. Like this is the piece of life again that I don't want to lose. Waiting for all of the grand things, which are so fun, but day to day, just making it just as enjoyable. It's funny because that's like kind of what I've tried to do recently too, but it actually attributes to my cell phone. Like you go to a concert and there's people holding their phone up, taking a fucking Snapchat of the concert. Are you going to turn around and listen to that shitty audio because everything's played like, you know, way too loud for the speakers or the phone to handle? Like, or God are, forbid, hear yourself singing in the background. It's even worse. Even worse. Yeah. But like, you know, I, I see that stuff and I'm like, yo, we are living our whole lives through a screen. Why not just put the fucking phone down for one second 
and just like take in that moment. You know what I mean? And I think that's, like I said, I've also kind of contradicted myself because I know one of my resolutions from last year was to take more pictures. Um, but I think that's a little different than just sitting there and like being on your phone, like picking up, taking a quick picture and rolling. That's different, you know, as opposed to literally just like, I, I've watched people's, like I said, Snapchat or Instagram stories of full, fl- I, I was at the concert and it's like, what, what, what are we doing here? You know 100%. what I mean? Like, did you I, even enjoy that concert? Like, did you even see Post Malone? Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? We saw Post Malone together on your phone. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, no, I've gone on a bunch of little trips this year, which I've kind of like kept sacred. Um, I've really like shifted people in my life and energy over the past few months. And the, t- the people I've decided to spend personal intimate time with those trips I have not posted no one's ever known right I maybe told one or two close friends and they've just been so refreshing and rejuvenating because I'm just there mm-hmm. that's all that matters and you're so right even if you're sitting waiting for a bus or in a doctor's office everyone is glued to their phone even if you just take a moment and breathe like that feels so different and rejuvenating I I deleted Instagram last year for seven full months and like People thought that I moved. People, I, I missed full pregnancies. I came back on people. Had, I'm like, whose baby? That's her baby? Like, but I can say the same thing. Like, I, I would take the photos, but then I had nothing to do with them. So number one, I didn't obsess over, do I need to edit this? Do I need to smooth out my leg in this? Do I, you know, take it again at a different angle? I was like, oh, this is a good picture. I can look at it when I want to remember that trip. And then I move on with my life and I don't have to worry about the rest. And I can say, if anybody's looking to kind of be more present or, Maybe even just for me personally, I was in a dark place. I was really depressed and I was really not feeling good about myself. And I was just like, I can't handle seeing other happy people because I am not happy right now. And getting rid of that, it was huge. It didn't make a huge impact every single day, but I think over that much time, when I finally decided to get back on it, it was such a subtle difference. I don't use it nearly as much anymore now. And I, I see it so much differently now and I'm just in a much better headspace. So highly recommend. I think what we should do is we should try to get someone who's like Insta famous ish, quote unquote, um, on here and just literally have lived, just dissect the shit out of them and see like if they are actually happy with them. Cause you know, everyone lives the happiest life on Facebook, Instagram, you know, TikTok or whatever. So that's Whereas if, Wagner- you have, if you have 30 K plus followers, hit mm-hmm. us up to be scrutinized by Liv. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to, Oh my gosh, you guys have to listen. I was listening to, I, this is like a bad plug, but the Logan Paul podcast. Cause he did it with um, Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson ate four grams of mushrooms going out of the podcast. What? Oh, that's so, why he sounded so weird. I heard a clip of that. I was like, I have to watch this. But one thing that, which was hysterical. One thing he said though, is that if anyone who's been rich will tell you that money doesn't bring you happiness. Right. So it's always that opposite perspective, but you hear it all the time. And so I think, I don't know, it just comes back to finding what is really important to you. And I'm sure a piece of it for everyone is being successful and getting the accolades that you can buy the things you want, but just coming back and grounding saying, if that doesn't happen, it shouldn't be a black or white like this or that. I don't have the money I want yet, comma, and what do I have that makes me happy? Right? Keeping it in that kind of space. I like that. On that note, I think uh, yeah, I want to thank you, Liv, for coming out. I think that was really cool. I mean, you drove out here. It's late as fuck, and we're <laughs> sitting here. Night. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a freaking night. You've had a night that uh, we won't talk about. We've but. all had a night. <laughs> <laughs> But Liv's journeys are never boring. We'll put it that way. Yeah, no, that could be a whole separate podcast in itself. <laughs> yes. But no, I want to thank you for coming out. I mean, this is super killer. I, you crushed it. I mean, first time talking on a mic, I'm assuming. Yep. yep. Okay. No, you did awesome. Um, I'm fading in and out, but thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Um, we totally appreciate you coming out. This was totally killer. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing an opportunity to talk about these things and just kind of normalize the whole experience. We're going to, you'll be back on again. Absolutely. Definitely. Without a doubt. You'll Thanks, be back on. Guys.
guys. Maybe we'll bring the podcast out to you. Oh, then- shit. Maybe. Road trip. Oh, baby. <laughs> I owe you a couple. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, on that note, guys, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at irregularpodcast. Uh, we've been popping off lately on the gram. Yeah, uh, a little bit. We, we're doing pretty well on there. Um, also, follow my personal Instagram at Katie, K-A-I-T-Y underscore A-N-I. Feel free to follow my personal as well, too. You guys should know it by now. It's at YoBob, E-Y-O-O-O underscore B-O-B. If you have any questions, concerns, topics you want to talk about, feel free to DM us or even shoot us an uh, email at irregularpodcast1 at gmail.com, and that is the number one. And feel free to join our Facebook group, too, for a whole lot of mess and kind of fuckery yeah fuckery for lack of a better term so uh like i said we will talk to you guys and girls next thursday love you love you